0: Welcome to the Eight Dimension Podcast, a podcast about odd and obscure films. I am Paddy Thompson. Uh, we are back. Uh, COVID-19 has meant that a lot of podcasts have come back and I felt like uh, it was it was a good opportunity to bring this one back. The strangeness of it was that I ended up waiting to do the film for so long that I'm actually able to go to my guest's house and actually be uh, near them at, at a safe distance. But I am joined today by... Saul Delmore, Philip and Bowman, also known as Drinksman. <laughs> Saul Delmore, Philip and Bowman, <laughs> dear <laughs> Drinksman. That's me. How are you doing, Saul? Yeah, doing pretty good. So you are, as alluded to by my introduction with your song, you are a, uh, you make zines, you have done performance poetry and stuff like yeah. that, haven't you? And you've uh, promoted things. Yes. Described, I believe, by one website as a general man about town. I think so, yeah.
1: yeah. Or, was it in the thin air, I think, where you ever said, like, um, yeah, there was a man about town. And then my friend Stephanie about the zine called me a renaissance man as well. That was quite nice. Oh, that's very nice. Yeah. yeah, that was a big compliment.
0: You have a, a YouTube channel called Dear Drinks Man, which yeah. uh, I'm a big fan of. Yeah. So I did bring some drinks. I can't oh, remember. Oh, no way. I can't remember if you have reviewed these. So I'll go give
1: TV you your choice. I've got Fanta Green Apple and Fanta Grape. We did review Fanta Green Apple, but we have not reviewed Fanta Grape yet.
0: Okay. Well, I just, cool. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to drink mine now. Okay, cool.
1: I'll, I'll drink mine now too. What is uh, What was your verdict on Green Apple again? Um, I gave it a, a, bit, a good score. I gave it a five out of out of, out of six. So the, the the thing is with the show is that we uh, we we, we presuppose that six cans is the rating for a can of Coke. Yeah. Because that's like you know, the, like in my mind, the ultimate uh, soft drink experience. So that's six. That's the ultimate, you know, golden golden plateau. Uh, Six cans out of five, so I gave yeah I gave Fanta the highest possible score for any drink besides Coke, which, which is, is five, five cans. That's yeah.
0: great, and uh, we we've, we've already kind of anyone would know me know that I'm i I'm a big Diet uh, Pepsi Max in the fifty percent extra free bottle person. Oh yeah, um, which so I thought there was going to be some like disagreement over a Pepsi versus Coke kind of thing, but no, you said that you have said that Pepsi is your favorite fake sugar cola Pep- oh am i putting words in your mouth no, no
1: no 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 i i am i'm a big just like yourself i'm a big fan of the pepsi max uh, experience uh i, I keep, keep calling them experiences these days i've got into this lately like as we do <laughs> like oh yeah it's a soft drink experience but um no uh but I, I'm, I'm a huge fan of the uh 440 mil can the one euro 440 mil can of um of oh, pepsi good, max yeah, yeah. yeah that, that that's my vibe although i am i am you know then nah, nah, i do, do like the bottles as well um, like if you were to go to one well, just quick really quick side note it was kind of, I do like Pepsi like you know I don't I don't you know I'm a fan of Pepsi uh, but I'm, I did I did get kind of annoyed when cinema world changed from Coke to Pepsi. This was
0: going to be my follow up question because I was yeah. quite happy about that and I'm a fan of the the Pepsi Cherry. Oh yeah, if I can get that in the cinema, that's going to be, uh, going be your first to, choice. That's my first choice. Although when I was in View Cinemas in London back at Christmas, they had uh, a. Uh, rise of skywalker tie-in which was either like light side i think was a coke vanilla vanilla and lime maybe and dark side was a dark cherry it was delicious that right. was the best thing. amazing dark cherry oh it was amazing it was the best thing about the rise of skywalker <laughs> which was <laughs> the tie-in drinks otherwise i was not very happy with was indeed the tie-in drinks nice um so uh forgive my rambling but uh have Not you been during these uh, these COVIDy times?
1: Um, yeah, thanks for the uh, thanks for asking. Um, it's been uh, interesting because I'm relatively new in my job and stuff, so I've only been there for like a year. So the whole like uh, had never worked in an office before. Yes. So, so also had never worked from home before. So the, getting used to it at the beginning was a bit like strange. It was like wait a minute, I just, you're telling me I should have to go downstairs? <laughs> I, have to get out, I have to get out of bed and go downstairs? And like, like for a while at the beginning I was like kind of motivated, I was getting dressed and everything was going down there and then after a while I was just like, yeah, pajamas. But I'm, nuts, I'm still yeah. trying to keep the um, the vague work hours, you know, so I'll try and start at about 9.30 and finish up at about 5.30. Like I'm, that's the, the way that I kind of um, section it off in my head is to just like once five thirty comes, you're like just just like with normal work, you're like you're done for the day. Yeah, very no... Can, yeah, so like that's kind of what I've been doing.
0: One of my friends suggested wearing pants. She said that was the one of the most important ways to actually feel like you were going to work. But like even just like talking there about like cinema snacks is just mm. like something that I that I just now look upon with nostalgia. And like obviously now there's talk of things opening again. Yeah. But like, are we going to be able to have? You know, first of all, you're going to have to be maybe sitting there wearing a mask, which like obviously public health is the most important thing, but it's like no hole to put your food into there. And, <laughs> I, <laughs> and I mean, love it. Someone said in, in Empire, like the amount of time that you would have to, you know, there's no way to clean a popcorn machine
1: that many times during the day. That yeah. Would be and, that. and there's no way even just like before you before you even talk about cleaning to like someone putting a scoop into the popcorn over and over again. Yeah, exactly. Put it in bags. They're not. They don't have like you know, you know, uh, a thousand scoops. They can just like reach for a new no, ones. No, absolutely. You can't. No. You can't get. Yeah, you can't get like disposable scoops. So uh, that's gonna be tough to uh, to sort of um, police as well. It's like, are they gonna start doing like massively overpriced bags or something? Are you gonna be going in there and spending like you know four fifty on a on a like fifty g bag of Manhattan or something? That could be one. Like, yeah,
0: uh, that could be. I don't yeah. know. I but...
1: mean, I, I wouldn't. You know, it's a, it's one workaround, but I don't know if it's the best one.
0: Obviously, like I, you know, particularly in independent cinemas, like like Lighthouse, I'm totally want to support. And as soon as they can, uh, they can be back open. I'll be there. But it's gonna be interesting to see how things go.
1: You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I'm speaking of um, independent cinemas versus non-independent cinemas. Like the thing that surprised me is that with the massive infrastructure that Cineworld have as a um, as a you know organization and company, they've they've been the slowest to announce when they're going to open in Dublin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like yeah. Uh, both IFI and Lighthouse have said like. 20th of July, and that might be brought forward, maybe. But, but like, but C- cinema would have said nothing. Yeah. So they haven't they've said nothing about because um, I know they said in the UK it was 10th of July, but they haven't said anything about Dublin yet.
0: But I, I like I went to like <laughs> I'm like, not I went to the cinema the weekend after an, like, announcements were first made, but before the cinemas had to close. Yeah. And it was a it, like there was nobody there, so it was un- perfectly fine. Saw the elephant. I saw two things because people couldn't go. The first one was the Elephant Man, which I'd
1: never seen. It was amazing. Yeah, I was, I was, I was. My plan was to first to see it for the first time uh, when it was out as well, but it didn't didn't yeah. make it. So
0: I'm like, so I'm snapping for the to finish the Lynch season because Dune's one that I haven't seen. Yeah. Um, and then I saw Camel Horses, which is brilliant. Oh yeah. Um, my
1: friend went to uh the Creature from the Black Lagoon. He said it was amazing, but he said it was a really weird experience because it was like. Um, it was like you know the, the like the 15th of March or something something like that yeah. and like they had moved all the screenings in the lighthouse that were in the smaller screens to screen one for social distancing yeah. and like he said there was like 10 people there in screen one yeah. and it was really a very strange uh, experience
0: it had a strange like a strange vibe because nobody <laughs> nobody wanted to look at each other and nobody really wanted to acknowledge each other's presence there so it was it was odd, but uh, yeah, camel horses. I hope that now that the lighthouse comes back, that it gets a, it gets a longer screening because it's a great film. Like yeah, like really like reminiscent of Shane Meadows, but also really stylish and and kind of stylized. Cool. Great score by Blank Mass, who was meant to be playing Workman's, but of course that didn't happen. Yeah, so really worth checking out. But today we are talking about 1999's Mystery Men. And I'm glad to be joined by a guest who... This is your favourite film. You suggested it for the podcast. Yeah, like, I
1: suggested it about maybe six or seven years ago. No, I'm just, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, no, 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 no. You suggested to me... That you, I should come on and talk about this film but that was about five years ago I think I think it was
0: about yeah when the podcast started it was about three years ago I do think you said that we should do an episode on Mystery Men and then I said to you you should come on and do it
1: yeah and I, and I immediately agreed but yeah it was a while ago now we'll never know how long it was because there's no record of it in text message or anything it was definitely like an in person thing you said <laughs> yeah, it, was, it, was, it, was, it was IRL it was some encounter yeah some screening yeah I
0: think it might have been I can't remember. Yeah, it anyway. might
1: have been a. Um, it was probably a marathon screening of some kind.
0: I think it might have been Fury Road. Yeah, yeah it was Fury yeah. Road was in black and chrome. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Um, But yeah, what is? Let's. Uh, this is a 1999 film. It is the sole directorial credit of uh, Kinka Usher. Is that how do you know how? I think that's how you say it. Yeah. Yeah, he's a commercials director who made this one film. It's in. Loosely based on the uh, Flaming Flaming Carrot comics, yeah, yeah, which I've seen some of in in work, so work in libraries, and um, yeah, so you have had, what was your first exposure to this movie, because I remember watching it years ago. So
1: I don't remember it too well, but I'm pretty sure I saw it in the cinema. Right, pretty sure. Yeah, as in, in like, I'm almost, like, there's no way of really knowing it. I can definitely say I didn't see it in the cinema, but... but. I think I remember this guy called Tim, who's a friend of mine, who's like my basically my um, not really my older brother, but kind of very, we're very close for my whole yeah, life. Yeah. So he's kind of like my, my you know my own, I call him my unofficial older brother. Right. Yeah. And um, I remember him him we went to see it together when I was younger. Ninety nine, I would have been like uh, ten, I think. Yeah. Or maybe eleven. And um, we saw it. And I remember I remember clear. I, I did see it in the cinema. I know I, 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 I'm going to go back on myself. I did see it in the cinema. I remember coming out and being like, "That was amazing," and he was like
0: yeah, okay,
1: yeah <laughs> it's okay because he was like you know whatever he would have been like you know 18 or 19 he was like no, it's okay and I was like no this is amazing right but like yeah, yeah I remember that really clearly and then like down the years I've just like I've watched it maybe 20 or 30 times maybe fair play yeah, yeah. like I I, I'm, I can I can quote from it endlessly I could probably just you know I could probably just like do the whole movie for you now from the beginning so the, if you
0: wanted the thing that we were we were waiting on is 88 films recently put. it was 88 films wasn't it it put yeah. this out on, um, on Blu-ray Yeah. how does it look on the Blu-ray and everything
1: um, it looks really good because obviously we're lucky as well because in we in in this apartment we have a projector and stuff. Yeah. So like for the first minute or two when it's just doing like you know the like establishing shot of the city and stuff, I, I turned it on. and started. I was obviously really excited. It was it was like two nights ago and I was like, oh, this look, this doesn't look great. It looks a bit like um, you know, when you have those like uh, high frame rate TVs. Yeah or, yeah. or like the or like a good example would have been like the the Hobbit movies. Yeah. yeah when yeah. The, the newer ones when they had you know it kind of looked like you know kind of looked that sort of like, you know, sort of jarring kind of thing. So for a minute, for a couple of seconds at the beginning, it kind of looked like that. And then it was like, I kind of was a bit dismayed. And then that kind of corrected itself after a few seconds. So it does look really, really good. Yeah. Looks, yeah. Looks, um, the um the colours really pop in and stuff like, and obviously, uh, as you know, it's a very, very colourful film. Basically,
0: we just talk of set up like what the film's about. The film yeah. is set in, what's the name of the city again? Yeah, Champion
1: City. Champion
0: City, and it's very much, like, it's very much a, the aesthetic of the city, there's a lot of Asian influences in it, there's a lot of Asian yeah. writing around the place, and there's, so there's, yeah. like, a little
1: bit of Blade Runner. Yeah, but there's it, a little bit of Blade Runner, and a, also a little bit of, like, Batman, I guess.
0: Yeah, I was going to say, it's, it's very much the Joel Schumacher... Yeah, um, a- a- 1989, Batman, yeah. Yeah, well, the the latter, the Joel Schumacher, oh, Batman, sorry, sorry, Batman sorry. Forever and Batman, oh, sorry, me, Batman yeah. and Robin, that
1: kind of glow kind of aesthetic to yeah. it, like... The Dayglow Gotham is kind of what the city yeah. looks like, to me. but it has that kind of like, um, as you're saying, just like there's some Asian writing and stuff around the place. It has that kind of like, you know, obviously they're all American in the movie and stuff, but it has that sort of um, uh, like uh, um, placeless kind of thing because it's like you know, there's like some Asian influence, there's some like you know, there's lots, you know what I mean? Yeah, like totally. With, with the signage and stuff, there's lots of different, like uh, it's kind of like a bit of a, um, a melting pot. Yeah, yeah, of 100%. All the, like, yeah, all the all the set, set design and stuff, and like this, the different like signs and stuff are all very kind of different. Um, different. I'm uh, making that point. Is that no, 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 yeah, yeah. no. I
0: respect It's it's like it is. There's a definite kind of um, a definite kind of hodgepodge of influences there. Yeah, and there's like some interesting stuff in terms of, like in this one scene I've seen. Like there's like a monorail going past over things and, and stuff yeah. like that. So do you want to like set up like what are the kind of characters of the film? And there's captain it's it's set in a world where there's superheroes.
1: Yeah. So ba- like the, basically the the uh, pre- um, its presupposed in the world of the film that like pretty much everybody in the city is a superhero, or like a lot of people, are, a, yeah, a, a yeah. large proportion are anyway. And um, basically, it's about these three like kind of wannabe superheroes that aren't that good at being superheroes. And then the um at the very beginning, they're like um they're defending a nursing home from attack by these bad guys. Yeah, that
0: nursing home kind of dance scene. Yeah. where it's like a dis like a weird kind of party. Yeah. in a nursing home and then they're invaded by the red eyes who are like these guys who wear kind of night vision goggles yeah sort of like steampunky kind of night yeah, vision goggles yeah like look kind of like, they're like bright red like, yeah they're kind of like the Underminer from the Incredibles yeah. like they look kind of like uh, and they
1: kind of remind me of like you know um, when um, when the Simpsons made fun of the fly and it's like the guy's like human fly who's coming in the building <laughs> human fly here yeah that kind of reminds me of that like that kind of guy as well a little bit like Yeah. but uh, anyway so, so sorry so like basically it's like these three guys it's his area. Uh, William H. Macy and Ben Stiller. And they're like these kind of like, just like, you you know, small time, let's call them superheroes. Yeah. And then their uh, defense of this nursing home gets interrupted by like this like kind of Superman, Batman type guy called Captain Amazing. Who's played by Greg Kinnear. Who's played by Greg Kinnear. And then basically uh, he gets, Captain Amazing gets kidnapped by this bad guy and by the, re- the reason the he gets kidnapped is is he like he co- he condones the release of the bad guy from the asylum. The
0: uh, brilliant uh Jeffrey Rush playing yeah. Casanova Frankenstein. Exactly, yeah. They're beautifully named Um is there, like Ben Stiller, he's called Mr. Furious. He's yeah. t- a, totally meant to be uh he's kind of a parody of Wolverine particularly yeah. like because when he gets mad it's like a parody of Wolverine's kind of berserker rages yeah exactly you've got yeah. Hank Azaria as the Blue Raja yeah who like Hank Azaria cannot stay away from, from the some... British accent yeah <laughs> well from Are the British he... accent and some kind of South Asian thing yeah yeah Um, so he's he's dressed like a Raja but he, he does a British accent and he, he explains it as being that he's meant yeah, to be speak...
1: like he's putting on a British accent he's an American guy and he's like putting on a British accent because it's meant to be some sort of thing about like you know um like um the, the British Raj back in like the 1930s or whatever yeah yeah,
0: exactly. And uh, Hank Azaria—well, uh, that's Hank Azaria, sorry. And um, William H Macy is the shoveler, whose yeah. power is that he has a shovel and he wears a hard
1: hat. And he's really good at shoveling.
0: Yeah, as, as his wife says, you're great at—you're the best at shoveling. You're yeah. a great husband, and a good father. That's it. Yeah,
1: exactly. Yeah, but like, I just I just realized, like, like watching uh, watching it again, like recently, obviously, like a couple of days ago. But like, it's like, and obviously, William H Macy is is really good at this. But like, he just plays like the straight man. Oh, absolutely! And, like, and that's like, like he's so good at it. You know, it's like he's like the, the like you know the Nietzschean ideal of a, of a, of a straight man or whatever. Like, it's
0: he's got a yeah. really great ability. William H. Macy's kind of mine, like the, um, the kind of just, um, the, the quiet desperation. Yeah, yeah, sure. The everyday kind of just like quiet desperation of a man. Like he manages yeah. to mine that really, not
1: manages, but he he has a skill in kind of mining that really well. I feel. Yeah. But I feel like he like um for a lot of the movie he like um. It sort of like balances on him because mm-hmm. he's this straight man figure or whatever. So it's like you know he's like he's the one who like sort of um, he's not the one instigating everything, but he's the one kind of like you know seeing it through like yeah. throughout the movie because it is a long movie as well. Like that's one thing about it. That's one that's one reason why I think it didn't do as well at the box office as it might have done because it's like it's a straight two hours. Like yeah, and, like, absolutely. It's sort of sort of aimed at children, like kind of, but like they don't have attention spans of, of two hours. Yeah. you Yeah. Know? You want ninety minutes, ninety-eight minutes, hundred and twelve minutes, but you don't want two. You know, you don't want one twenty.
0: As you say, like Captain Amazing also uh, goes by. He 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 has a alter ego, e- alter ego, which is was Lance Lance Hunt, Lance Hunt, who is what is his job? He's is He's just kind of meant to be a, a philanthropist. Kind he's of? a
1: he's a he basically just, just described as a billionaire, right? So he doesn't actually. I don't think he actually has. There's a There's a really
0: great scene in the diner where Mister um, Furious suggests that uh, Captain Amazing is Lance Hunt. And the Schuller says no, he couldn't be because Lance Hunt has glasses, and he says that doesn't make sense. He wouldn't be able to see. And the Mr. Furious goes,
1: "Yeah." You know, and he takes off his glasses to fight, and he goes, "But then he wouldn't be able to, to see. see." Yeah, yeah, it's amazing. And uh, then like um, then it's just like like one of the next scenes right after that. Over he like um, he comes in like Lance Hunt comes in with the glasses, the, the, huge, <laughs> the huge glasses, and that's one of my favorite bits in the whole movie. Is like um, he basically uh has Casanova Frankenstein freed as Lance Hunt so he can battle him again yeah, Captain he's, Amazing. Yeah, because he's
0: losing corporate sponsors because, like, the Captain yeah. Amazing jacket is full of logos. Yeah. But his, uh, his like, but agent just, publicist...
1: Uh, yeah, played by Ricky Jay in an amazing cameo. Yeah, like, he's great. Yeah. And also, he, yeah, Ricky Jay has an amazing uh, line. He goes, uh, he's like... Um, like Captain Amazing asks for something and you know the way he's a magician as well so R- Ricky Jay goes I'm a publicist not a magician <laughs> which is great Yeah. but I was just going to say sorry about the, um, about the 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 Lance Hunt thing it's like he comes in and reads a, a letter from, from Captain Amazing like in the in the, yeah. in the parole hearing but he, it cuts to the letter and it's just his shopping list
0: <laughs> I didn't even notice <laughs> yeah, that yeah so
1: he's, he's he's going on about like you know about like justice and all this stuff and like you Saying know and you know like, a, right yeah like, yeah, like change, a, ba- yeah. a balanced society and all this stuff and he cuts down and it just says like you know like peanut butter milk Soda,
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, if it wasn't clear, the, the reason why he wants uh, Casanova Frankenstein released is because there is no more, more villains, no for more villains, yeah,
1: for him to fight because he's putting himself out of a job,
0: kind of thing, yeah. And uh, basically, he Casanova Frankenstein is released. He uh, blows up the metal The asylum. asylum, yeah. The
1: next day, he's released, and then like his first order of business is to blow up the asylum he was just released from. He's
0: having a relationship with his psychiatrist. Yeah. And what is his, he's got two henchmen Tony P. And Tony C. Tony P and Tony C. Tony P, who's Eddie Izzard. Yeah. I, don't, I can't remember the name of the actor who plays Tony C. Tony
1: C, you're going to love this. Tony C is Praz from the Fugees. What? That's Praz from the Fugees. That is amazing. Like, the, like the, as in the other guy who's not Wyclef and obviously not Lauren Hill. Like the third guy from the Fugees. Oh, that's it. That, that's that's Tony C. I, I'm not uh, sure. Actually, I'm not sure who's Tony C and who's Tony P, but kind Tony of...
0: Tony P is definitely Eddie Izzard. I made a note of that specifically. Oh, nice. And they're uh, the Disco Boys.
1: They're 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 the leaders of the
0: Disco Boys. Leaders. There's a moment where uh, when when uh, Casanova comes back to like his mansion, he goes into the the old disco room. Yeah. And uh Tony P is dancing to Night Fever. And it's like a proper
1: And he has the vinyl. Like,
0: yeah, he's got the actual vinyl there, and it's a proper like I was saying, yeah, it's a it's a proper seventy task disco room with like smoke coming out and everything. It has like almost like this kind of like very like like I uh, maybe I'm just like tasteless but like I love this shit like I love stuff that is just Art Deco stuff that is on the line between
1: tasteless and classy oh yeah absolutely me totally too and totally
0: overruns that
1: and also like in that scene he has like it's just this ginormous record player as well yeah like proper like 70s like you know one of those ones that would like you know needs a whole room for it like
0: and just like a bowl of apples as well yeah
1: yeah <laughs> um, I forgot about the bowl of apples actually yeah
0: I was like well, that was I don't know why that was one of the things um, one of the things that struck me uh, about that but it was like that was a bit of set dressing but there's a great bit then where um, but yeah there's 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 that great moment where he says uh, Casanova Frankenstein says to him uh, Disco it must be hard for you when people say Disco is over and he goes like, disco's not dead Disco is life it's uh the aesthetics of that room reminded me a bit of the George as well I have to say
1: absolutely I, I, I never actually <laughs> thought about it I never made that connection but that is so true like but it's, it's totally... properly got that vibe like that's hilarious but uh <laughs> Shout out to the George. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Can't wait to go back into there. It's been a. It's. Can't wait to go back into anywhere. To be honest. Yeah, I'd love that. (laughs) Yeah. Although you know, uh, not. Remember places, Paddy. Remember Remember gigs. Remember gigs. Remember, yeah. Not within, like, I don't want to go anywhere within the one hundred and five minute, um, with the one hundred and five minute rule. Where you have to have a nine euro
1: meal in order to. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah oh, what was it was yeah, yeah. there's ninety, yeah, ninety minutes or one hundred five minutes something. Yeah, it's
0: one hundred five. They negotiated the extra fifteen. Oh yeah. But I think the extra fifteen also is there can't be anybody coming in during the fifteen minutes that someone's leaving. Oh, but yeah. anyway, um, yeah. So so that's that's happening, and basically the uh, at, at first trio of mystery men, they decide that they need to recruit some more members. Now, a, a Tom Waits actually pops up at the beginning as. Uh, What's his the character name? Oh there? yeah,
1: um, Doctor Heller.
0: Doctor Heller. He's uh kind of picking up ladies at the old folks' disco, which which in itself
1: is hilarious. Like oh, this, 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 Tom, Tom waits is like so I, He's like, I don't live here. I'm here for the ladies. But like one thing I just wanted to mention about about all that stuff is like I was saying to Daniel like just as a joke like while we were watching it the other night I was like I was like how did all these people's schedules like you know sync up? I know, yeah. You know I mean? Because you've got Greg Kinnear, William H Macy, Jeffrey Rush, Tom Waits, you know, uh, Hank Azaria. Uh everyone's in this fucking movie like Yeah, and, totally. everyone Dane Cook's in there for a minute, like everybody's in there for Where's
0: co- Dane Cook
1: in Dane it? Dane Cook is um one of for a second he's one of the um one of the uh, superheroes at the tryout.
0: Okay, right. He's the
1: waffle man who burns his uh Burns his face with the waffle iron. Oh shit! That's not realize Cook. Yeah. him.
0: Yeah, yeah, I realized that was him.
1: And oh, I don't know. There's a there's a crazy cameo that I, that I can't wait to talk about. Okay. Um, in the Warriors, um, like the scene parodying the Warriors where they're all sitting around the big table with all the um, yeah, all the gangs. Yeah. yeah. You know, you know, one of the one of the uh one of the 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 frat boys is Michael Bay. Really? Yeah.
0: How oh, got it? Yeah. So
1: there's this, there's this bit where Jeffrey Rush is like, you know, follow me into the into the atrium or whatever, and then the the, One guy of the goes, frat boys goes, yeah, can we bring in the brewskis? Yeah, that's Michael Bay, the guy who asked. What? That, that's Michael Bay, and his 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 uh, frat boy friend is um, Ricky Rackman from Headbangers Ball. Is that the guy's name? Yeah, Ricky Rackman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, yeah, yeah. I believe I only realized this yesterday, but I believe Ricky Rackman's wife is a music supervisor, and she was the music supervisor on this, this right, film. Right. Yeah. And that's just a little, a little aside, but
0: do you know? Yeah, we'll come 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 to that later because there's a song in that scene that, that uh, I remember at age 9 being or, or 10 being obsessed with. But yeah. yeah, so basically the mystery men decide that they're going to get more members. They are kind of the spleen who's played by Paul Rubens kind of like forces himself upon them. Yeah. Um and then from uh tryouts
1: they have a tryout in um, in the Shoveler's... Uh, back garden and there's a very funny thing with his wife where his wife's like a lot, lot of men I could have married Eddie there still are she's like, <laughs> she's like if one person vomits in my pool I'm going to divorce you and he goes that's fair and she walks away with they the kids find a,
0: they, find, like, they also find um, the invisible boy who is played, played by Cal Mitchell Cal Mitchell and and Cal. And Cal. Um, they've got the spleen they've got the invisible boy and then they have uh, the tryouts for a new member and just after kind of a day of having all these these, uh, these ca- characters show up
1: they have yeah, uh, there's a big montage with loads of loads of people trying out, and then they um yeah. sorry, you're you going to say the bowler shows up.
0: Yeah, the bowler played by Jeanine Garuffalo. Um, she shows up and and she's kind of too late for auditions, and she whips out her bowling like glass bowling ball that has a skull yeah. inside it that she can throw, and it flies around and just yeah. smashes things. up. And it's got
1: that like classic like late nineties like CGI as well. Yeah, like, yeah, it, absolutely. like it looks like it, I was I was kind of like anticipating it like watching it the other day because it was like with the Blu-ray and everything I was like what's this going to be like what's going to be like and it actually looked really good Yeah, like, in that way where you know that stuff kind of looks a bit cheesy and stuff a little bit, little bit dated but it did like it was like you know kind of faithfully kind of restored you know what I mean it did it, yeah, did, yeah. it came across well
0: and her, her backstory is that her, her dead father was the original bowler and yeah. his skull is inside yeah, the bowling ball because he was uh, he was killed by Tony P because yeah. he fell fell <laughs> down an <laughs> elevator shaft onto some bullets <laughs> onto some
1: bullets and foul play was heavily suspected. And then, like when she when she first meets uh, Eddie Azar, Tony P, like um, at, at one point uh, he goes he goes he goes you're a baby bowler. I'm the guy that gave you your, your daddy the shaft.
0: Yeah, and uh, she says they ask her if she put her her uh, her father's skull into the bowling ball, and she tells him no. The guy at the pro shop
1: did it. Yeah, yeah that's one of my favorite lines in the whole movie. Yeah, <laughs> I so, love uh, that so much. Like it's so funny. They're... Sorry, no, what we're no, they... no, no, they're just gonna say like that bit's so funny. The way she's like, she's like, no, nope, guy at the pro shop did it.
0: They then kind of uh, they're like driving around and they come across the car of Casanova Frankenstein.
1: Yeah, and it's
0: like the their brilliant kind of like yeah. Sorry, the spleen anyway is his power is that he. Can do really noxious farts. Yeah, he is played by uh, Paul Rubens, who is of course Pee Wee Herman from a lot of Tim Burton films as well. Yeah, uh, somewhat was somewhat controversial there for a moment, but that story seems to be kind of strange. But anyway, yeah. he's 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 very good in this. Yeah, and and the Invisible Boy who can turn invisible, but not when anyone. Oh, yeah, looking. only when
1: no, only when no one's looking. Yeah, so
0: they 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 find they see uh, Casanova Frankenstein's uh.
1: Limousine, yeah.
0: And decide to attack him, and it is hilariously inept.
1: Yeah, just like even like there's one bit, like one bit in all the ineptitude where like um, where like uh, Ben Stiller's like on the on the, the 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 um. Why can't I think of the yeah, the front of the car? Why, what's the word? <laughs> the Forgotten the word for the front? What? The bonnet. Yeah, he's on the bonnet and he's like, she's like trying to tear at the little, um, the little uh, insignia thing, like trying to rip off the the crest or whatever off off the bonnet. It's just like really really funny. And then there's this great bit where like you know Jeffrey Rush said said in, 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 in an interview afterwards, he's like. He couldn't believe that he went on this film and like Paul Ribbon just farted in his face because <laughs> he just like Paul Ribbon just sticks his sticks his butt in the window and just farts in Jeffrey
0: Rush's face. It's great. That was yeah. He he doesn't uh, he doesn't seem to be like actually hurt by that though. He seems to just be more kind of just mildly disgusted yeah. and a little bit inconvenienced. But uh, they get uh, they get uh, they get away from that. But uh, eventually the disco boys find them and are ready to
1: uh, pull their guns on them. Yeah. But they are stopped by the arrival of the, the Sphinx. The Sphinx. So the the Sphinx has been has been built up in the movie as this guy like they're at, they like Ben Stiller asks like what like Mr. Furious Mr. Furious sorry Mr. Furious asks, I can't even speak Mr. Furious asks what his power is and then uh, the Blue Rash is like he's terribly mysterious and then they're like <laughs> that's his power he's mysterious like well he's terribly mysterious. And then uh, um, the shoveler goes, "Yeah, and I also already he can cut guns in half of his mind." You think, that, and you think that's just something that he's just saying, but apparently, like later, yeah, on, a few yeah, minutes later, does does do, he, like they pull a load of guns and they do get snapped in I half. I love
0: the scene when the the mystery the guys are because uh, they're not dubbed the mystery mill at this point when they they're um, looking around uh, Casanova's mansion and uh, the disco boys come out and they have uh, like uh, blinged out guns, but. Uh, the Blue Raja is, is complaining about their lack of a team because yeah. you know then they have knives. Yeah. One of them's got a pipe and he's like, where, where what's the team? Yeah, he, the, he, he, the guy with the pipe is like, he's, he's like, look at the guy with the pipe. Who are you the, the, the disco plumber? And Mr. Furious even is to the guy with the chain. He's like, at least have it be a gold chain so that yeah. it can be kept in... Uh, be kept in character. The uh, the Sphinx. Who is he played by? The
1: Sphinx is played by that guy uh, Wes Studi, who's in like a load of. I don't know if that's how you pronounce it, but like he's in a load of films, and he was just given an Oscar actually last year. Oh, cool. Uh, yeah, for like um for a contribution to Native American uh, acting and filmmaking. I had no
0: idea. Well, I mean, being that he's he's in a mask from for most all of it. I think yeah. yeah. Film, I, I
1: didn't I didn't know he was Native American. To yeah. be honest. He's. I, I, I. Unfortunately, I can't like can't place like any film season right or anybody. He has been in like tons of films. All right. Yeah. He was randomly in like a million ways to die in the West as well. We just, okay. just like showed him there. I just noticed him because I would have recognized him as the Sphinx or whatever. But yeah, he, he is he is a very famous and prolific actor and was given this was given an Academy Award last year. That's amazing. So that's the way he, when he came on screen the other night, I was like, it's Academy Award winner Westudy. So uh,
0: they they're kind of going into training and uh, then uh, Mr. Furious like storms off he storms off he's not happy with this training because he wants to be like the the lone wolf
1: yeah and, he, and he, think, he thinks that they're just wasting him spending too much time making new costumes and stuff yeah and like and then but also like the Sphinx is like he does this thing where he talks in these like kind of strange riddly type things yeah so he says stuff like you know one random one would be like you know uh, when you doubt your powers you compare power to your doubts
0: and he says to he says to Mr. Furious if you're not if you can't master your anger and Mr. Furious goes your anger will master you and he goes he, that's what you're gonna say, wasn't it? And he goes not not, not necessarily not necessarily <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, but absolutely was yeah um Mr. Furious when he goes off he's kind of like trying to uh, chat up this girl who works in the, the diner yeah called Lucille who's played by Jennifer Lewis who I would Jennifer I- Lewis. That's her name, yeah. Different Jennifer Lewis. Oh but... no, no,
1: that, that's a different person in the movie. Oh, is it? No, um, Jennifer. She's played by Claire Forlani, the the the, the woman in the diner from uh, from Mallrats. Yeah,
0: exactly. That's who I was thinking of, and The Rock. But I would know her from from Mallrats. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, So she's she's played by Claire Forlani, and he kind of has a moment where he, he kind of.
1: It's like so. What, what happened? From my understanding, it's like when he storms off, he meets up with her, and she gives him a smooch and tells tells him to go back, and that's the inspiration to go back. Yeah, but also... she asks him... She's, he's like... She asks him his real name and he does this yeah. whole thing. And he's like, my name's Phoenix and he says all these fake names and stuff and then he goes, actually, my name's Roy. And she kisses him and she goes, just be Roy.
0: Yeah, and she kind of forces him to drop his thing because when he asks her out, he's like, oh, you know, um, I should walk you home. It's it's dangerous with all the crime around here. And then he goes, and also, I just...
1: we really want to walk you home? Yeah,
0: exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, the grand, rest of the group, meanwhile, decide that they need to get some weapons. So they go... <laughs> to uh, Dr. Heller Dr. Heller played by Tom Waits yeah who who is in this like abandoned theme Uh, fairground yeah yeah which looks awesome actually yeah
1: that's the most impressive set in the whole movie like Like, it may be even more impressive than the big mansion like because it's so cool and there's all this like you know random stuff around like it's really really like uh, property like I'm pretty sure I remember from like Watching the commentary in this movie, like, ages ago, like, back in the day, that, like, that is, that was, that was just a literal abandoned fairground that they found. There's
0: something about, if you want to make something look abandoned, just having, kind of, ripped up flags or scarves blowing in the wind just really adds this, kind of, uh, yeah. element to it. And there's a lot of those around
1: in, in that place. Yeah, so it's, like, they get the guidance from, they get the help they need, let's say, in broad terms in the movie, from the Sphinx and also from this guy, Dr. Heller. They, like, kind of... They like sort of collaborate to like to, and then they obviously could do the recruiting, and then that's what spurs them on to go and rescue Captain Amazing.
0: And Heller's thing is that he he designs weapons, but they he will not make he makes non lethal weapons, yeah, including the uh, there's a, a tornado in a can,
1: the a shrinking gun, yeah. I, I I love the little comment about the shrinking gun. He says it's based on based on simple dry cleaning technology, <laughs> and then also he has the blame the blame thrower, yeah, yeah. And then later on in the movie, they shoot the blame thrower at the. That, that's the real Goody Mob. Like, the rappers, That that's actually them. Oh, shit, sure. I had no CeeLo Green is there in, as well, in the same scene with Michael Bay. You
0: can't see my face, unfortunately, but... The, uh, yeah, so he, so he was respect.
1: obviously in, like, you know, seminal 90s rap group Goody Mob, and they're called the not-so-Goody Mob in the movie, but it's actually all the guys from the from the real rap group. I and, know. And, th- and they're the guys that shoot, the, they shoot them later. That, that makes me feel a little bit
0: better about those characters as well, knowing that it's an actual rap group, that rather than just being kind of a... Like, stereotypes of a rap group that were thrown together like yeah for the movie no
1: they're they're like a proper like they were they were they were huge in the 90s or whatever my friend richard's a big fan
0: so like in in terms of was was that something that came about because of the director's background like had he had he just done commercials or was he a music video guy i think
1: he'd done a couple of music videos but i know that like i know for sure that the film was such a such a flop that he went straight back to doing commercials after yeah and he hasn't made a movie since
0: no, this is this is it's 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 an interesting example of a, of a total one and done from a director. Like, there's not been anything else
1: because it it also like yeah, it was such a flop that I, I always like tell this to people, but like it made half its budget back at the box yeah, office. Yeah, about thirty million. Yeah, the, yeah. It, was, it was about I think it was about sixty four, and it made thirty two back or something like that. Yeah,
0: it was it's 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 uh it's it's bizarre for someone's one film to be something with such a high budget though. Yeah. Which is kind of that's kind of the the unusual aspect about it. But but anyways, continuing. Sorry. Uh, no, absolutely not. I mean, you are the expert on some. A few digressions. I shall refer to you on it for your your knowledge on this. But uh, basically, then it's all about them trying to sneak into uh, Casanova's mansion, mansion. Which, which we
1: mentioned with the with the disco room, that looks the, like the George.
0: Yeah, the amazing George disco room, and uh, they to get Captain Amazing. And they find him. He's under this, uh, in this kind of strapped into this chair. Well, first of all, there's Casanova's having this uh, this party, yeah. with all the different kind of gangs from around the city who he's brought together. He yeah. calls them all
1: of his gangs. Yeah, and it's like, and it's like I didn't get this at the time when I watched it back in the day, but it's obviously it's it's obviously a takeoff of the Warriors. Yeah, because at one point he does say, "Can you dig it?" Yeah, there's like there's like a girl gang. There's the yeah, the, the, the girl, girl gang. The girl gang are, the, are the furriers. There's a bunch of guys in suits that are called like I think they're just called the suits. There's like the frat boys with Michael Bay, and then there's the not so goody mob, and there's the Suzie's as well. Yeah, are, like, and, like the know. Lizzies. Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
0: And he's like that, but the 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 guy who sp- who speaks from the suits, uh, who's chomping on a cigar, he's called Big Tobacco. Yeah, by, yeah, yeah. Uh, By Jeffrey Rush, but that I, I when I watched the film, I might have been like nine or ten. The one of the songs that stuck out to me, aside from we'll have to, we'll have to discuss the fact that this was the film All Star that
1: introduced All Star to yeah. the world not Shrek. But the hilarious thing is that it was, there was probably only about 6 months or less or you know around in and around 6 months between the two movies. Right. Cuz like like Mr. Men would have come out I think in summer 99 and I think Shrek was like was like 2000. So I think it was, you know, very close.
0: And it was also it was in it was in Inspector Gadget the magic gadget oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Inspector Gadget as well. Mm-hmm. Kind of wild how many kids films the man who killed two people was in in the 90s wasn't it yes absolutely yeah but uh the song that like the song and also
1: the 80s and also the 2000s and also the 2010s yeah it was it was in what was what was
0: his last film that he was
1: in it was the one with casey affleck yeah i'm sure he's always in stuff he was also in that show daybreak on um on netflix which is pretty good i don't know if you saw it no i haven't i have the comic uh, in there Um, it's like um I haven't. As in, I bought the comic after I saw the show. Okay. Which is just, just a little, little aside. It's, really cool. it's like a Rico. It's like a pomo, self-aware apocalypse show. Oh, cool. And it, he, and Matthew Brocker plays the principal or whatever. Right. Yeah. So it's. it's but, he, bit, he, but he did also definitely kill two people.
0: <laughs> yeah, he did. It's it's based on the series, a comic then, and not on the popular
1: convenience shop. I wish from, it was. From, I wish. I, it, I wish it was. Um, sorry, we were saying about the we were talking about the the gang scene. Yeah, and or it, the warriors kind of rip off the scene. music
0: in it is it's a it's, a, it's a, a song called Gangsters by Citizen King, but I believe it's a cover of a song from the seventies. Yeah, and it's amazing. I, I I like I just remember. Do you yeah. know when you're a, ch- a kid and you like yeah. when you're a kid and I think like when you're a kid, music is until a certain age, music is just a thing that you hear. Yeah, like it's a it's a thing that you see on TV. Mm-hmm. It's a thing that. Um, you're, 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 what you hear in terms of music is not great. It probably is different for kids nowadays because they're all... Way different. Yeah, because they can all go on YouTube and they can like... Like one of my my friends' kids um, is like a massive fan of Kiss and uh, like he got into Kiss because of um, because of Scooby-Doo because there was a Scooby-Doo like yeah. uh, straight to DVD
1: movie that was... This is... Uh, sorry, go, go ahead.
0: No, no, it's... But... There's a
1: small aside about that kind of thing but like I remember back in the day when I would find like Songs that I wanted to like listen to, or you know, I discover music through like blogs and stuff. And I remember one time, like looking for it for some reason, I don't know why, but like looking for a download of "You Get What You Give" by um by the New Radicals. This mm-hmm. is just a very small aside. And then finding this like beautiful heartbreaking blog post about this guy who had found this song through Scooby Doo and like he'd had a, he'd had a baby or whatever like a, like a he'd had a, he'd had a son and the son had like passed away oh, but they God. used to like watch the movie together so like he was so happy to find this you know he oh, never that's amazing. He'd, he'd, he'd kind of this thing where like he'd never heard this popular song even though it was really popular before and it was from the movie and then you know I, so I, I always like think about that when I when I think about you know um yeah that whole sort of like being a kid and hearing music and stuff yeah like
0: when we were kids like I I think definitely it was like you heard stuff. On TV, and like like I say, your act, what you heard was was much less created by you. But so, like, when I heard it, would hear a song in a movie or something that I thought was amazing, I would just really, really become obsessed with it. But obviously, there was no way at the time, yeah, to kind of hunt stuff down in that way. So, that's got to be something I'm going to try
1: and find myself. That reminds me as well, sorry, just like I think you know, obviously, we were talking about it a little bit ago just before we started recording about like special features and stuff, but like on the mystery man DVD that I had in probably 2000 or 2001, it had the weirdest special feature I've ever encountered in my life on a DVD, right? I'll I'll explain it to you, okay? There was this thing where it was a list of the songs that were in the movie, right? And they were like selectable menu items. And you clicked it, and it would play the fraction of the movie with that song in it, with the the dialogue. And then it it would cut off. Not even an isolated track. Not even an isolated track. Not even a clip of an isolated track. It would literally just play that bit of the movie, and it would play, you know... All star like for that minute like where it's in the middle where they're like you know walking across the the flaming coals and then it would, that'd be it. Yeah. It was, honestly, I've I've seen some weird stuff like on on DVDs and Blu Ray since because you know I'm a, I'm a big collector and everything. Yeah. But like as am I, yeah. that was the um, that was hands down. I'll, I'll never forget that. It was so strange. It was like you could click on probably click on you know Gangster is Citizen King and it would play that like. Whatever, twenty second clip oh, where today. they're like in like you know, like the establishing shot of the of the, the big table and then, then it'd be then it would stop. It was really strange. Yeah, i I never, that... ne- never seen that on any other DVD. That's bizarre,
0: but they the guys uh anyway, they show up, they sneak around, they go into the room where Captain Amazing is, is being held, and he's like in this device kind of just below a laser and there's like some very funny business where he's telling them to flip the flip a switch
1: on the wall. Yeah. And they ask him how many times they have to flip it and he's like, It's seven. And then there's a bit of confusion. Yeah. And then like in order to like quell the confusion, the blue raja walks over and flips it, and then it kills Captain Amazing.
0: It does it in the laser... Like, So I really liked the film. when, it, when I got it on VHS when it was about 10. VHS? I rent, no, I rented it, way. Yeah, That's amazing. I rented it on VHS. It's even better than my DVD story. Uh, and it was like, watch it one night, watch it the next day. That was the sign of if I really liked something on VHS before I brought it around to extra to drop it off. So this is the first time that I've seen the film in about 20 years. Um, but... I will say, like, I really liked it, but this bit fucked me up. And there maybe even was, yesterday or whenever. No, or this no, morning. T- this morning I was like, "What? Like, how did that freak me out so much?" of The time, but at ten years old, for some reason, maybe because I was a, I was a little wuss, which is actually a, a common thing that I find with people who like horror movies and adulthood is that we were, we were actually like
1: little wusses when we were kids. I was a bit of a wuss, but for some reason, when I was like eight or nine. I re- it's not a horror film but I rewatched over and over again uh, how to get ahead how to get ahead in advertising I've never seen it. I like it. was a way, it was like definitely like a 15s back then. Like, there's no sorry, just another aside. But like, I watched it like over and over again. I used to, I used to insist on watching it just because basically he, like, you know, spoiler alert, but he grows a head from his, from a boil on his shoulder. And then that head takes over his, his, his original head. And this, the new head is like a really evil advertising guy with a mustache. It's Richard e. Grant or whatever. Yeah. yeah. But same, director di- same director as Men in yeah. And I, yeah. But like, I just remember like, you know, like being really young and like, you know, eight or nine being like, I want to watch that. I want to watch that movie again. That movie we had the VHS. So I was like, that movie again. That movie again. Yeah, there was and a, I must have watched it like probably like thirty or forty times when I was younger. There was a definite like. There was a definite to
0: me like uh, for me. I'm sorry, like, you're saying about the about the. It, the yeah, the so Captain like Amazing the thing. laser that when it, the way that it kills Captain Amazing is like it's. I, it, Tom Waits does like this long spiel about what the actual device does. But yeah. It basically, it makes your like nightmare visions come true and warps you, and it warps Captain Amazing's head to the point where his body is kind of disintegrate. his body's is like kind of melted like yeah. there's like his eyeball is kind of just left on top of it it fucked me up as a kid same as the senator kelly uh, turning into liquid from x-men oh yeah which again watched during lockdown i don't know why it did but it just it freaked me out but and those are films that i liked but like i had like this
1: fascination of like i thought it was really gross but i i obviously wanted to watch it what freaked me out when i was younger which reminds me of the senator kelly thing is uh Alex Mack turning into liquid to go under doors. I didn't like that at all. Yeah, yeah I was yeah, like, that. I was, I was like, I was a bit like, kind of weirded out, but I was like, that's weird. Like, and it's just, yeah, again, that's sort kind of like you know, like um, mid '90s CGI silvery liquid. I was like, ooh, kind I didn't of, like it.
0: Yeah, kind of uncanny valley. yeah, yeah, like yeah. CGI. Meets kind of like, like, the like
1: the animorphs book covers. All yeah, various, yeah, You know, yeah. When it's, it's like it's like person, person, half animal, half animal, half animal, animal.
0: Kind of un- uncanny value CGI meets like Cronenbergian kind of stuff. Yeah. But yeah, so they they kill him, and there's a hilarious bit where. Um, the bowler goes up to like his mangled body and goes I'll
1: check his pulse yeah.
0: and his hand breaks off as yeah. she touches it
1: and then a few minutes later they, they're like the, the, the mystery men like escape the, the room or whatever or like leave the room and then um and then uh, the like Gaston Frankstein brings in all the gang the, all the people from all the gangs and Praz from the Tony's, Tony Tony C goes looks looks at him and goes this sucker's dead <laughs> <laughs> which I also, also was also pretty funny <laughs> like and he's like, "Yeah, I'm gonna release, unleash this on the whole city." Yeah, so so he, he like he, he didn't kill him, but he pawns it off as like a demonstration of the big device yeah. or whatever the psycho, psycho the psychofrak. Thank you. Um, the guys, they they go away. A, a, a classic, Sorry, just um. um... Tom, Wait- Tom Waits described it as, they used to say it couldn't be built. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> and he's like, it couldn't be built and many men who tried to work on it were driven insane. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he goes, and, and the guess where Casanova K- Frankenstein's been for the last 20 years. Oh, he's been yeah, in an yeah. asylum. Yeah. Um, but uh, the guys, they, they go back to the to the fairground. There's a kind of a, a kind of like a, a kind of call to action where the shoveler says, talks about, he makes an egg salad sandwich and says, this is egg salad. It's loaded with cholesterol. My wife, she won't even let me eat it. But I might not I'm got might die tonight, so I may as well have this egg salad sandwich. Yeah. And he says now time. I did
1: th- I did that speech trying to get into Trinity Drama. I did not get in. <laughs> <laughs> That, that's a true story. That's a true story. I loved the movie so much that I learned that I learned oh the speech goodness. with the egg salad sandwich, and I tried and I and I and I performed it as a, like in the audition for Trinity Drama, and I was not accepted. Oh, that's amazing. I just like to imagine you doing that in
0: between someone doing like Chekhov
1: or like yeah or like or Sophocles or something. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. you doing.
0: I'm gonna. Did you introduce it as I'm gonna be performing the egg Solid sandwich monologue? I mean, district. it was a long time ago, but I probably did say something like Fair that. Enough. Yeah. But then yeah, so they kind of they go off. They, he tells him, you know, say goodbye to their loved ones. The blue Raja, He finally tells his has like a, like a coming out moment of telling his mother that she yeah. he's a he's a superhero. And I'm
1: not afraid to admit, like I was a little bit tired when I was watching it the other night. I started crying when he when he comes out. It's, to his it's mom. kind of
0: emotional, yeah. Like,
1: yeah, I mean, it, interesting you described it that way because like I did feel like it was a coming out, you know, like that's you know that's kind of like you know that's that's that would be it would be you know what I mean. I, I could I got that kind of um, no, it's, sense I, from it. No, I I mean I don't know
0: like. I don't know if it's intended to be, or if this is just like obviously, if you're if you're if you're talking about kind of queer readings of, of, of something, um, there's there's the stuff that was intended to have a queer subtext, and then there's stuff where you could read a yeah. a, 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 sure. a queer reading into something, and you can talk about whether that's something that was 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 unconsciously there, or whether and it was in the society, it's yeah. reflecting the society. But I I definitely think it can be read as that in the same way that the X Men two. Um, have you tried not being a mutant oh, yeah, moment, yeah. And, and like that is v- uh, like explicitly yeah. meant to be as a coming out moment? But
1: also, that makes a wider point about the film that I hadn't noticed before explicitly, but had definitely subconsciously registered that it's it's definitely you know it's kind of obvious now, but it's definitely a film about like you know someone's chosen like people's chosen families and stuff. Yeah, you know? absolutely. Because it's like obviously he he he. Um, he reconciles, you know. Trevor reconciles with his wife, like um um. Mr. Fears reconciles with the girlfriend, like he comes. Out, he does the coming out scene, which is mentioned to the mom, but like it definitely is about them being uh, a unit of their own. Yeah, which is, some- which is some- something that I would have like you know like um definitely drawn a lot from without even knowing back in the day. But also, like you know, was really, really, was really, really impactful when I watched it the other night.
0: Yeah, and and uh, his his the blue Raj's mother gives him a set of forks that she was Did keeping she, for his, his wedding. wedding. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which he then goes, that's a long way off. <laughs> yeah, like uh, the shoveler's wife tells him that she's gonna leave him, but he's like, you know, I gotta go do this, and so be it. And I yeah. love you and the kids. Uh, I I I get my heart. I have my heart broken by the bit where when he pulls into the driveway, he uh, drives over the plush T Rex. Yeah. And tries to take it out from under the wheel and rips the head yeah. off. I'm just like, oh, it's just. And there's
1: this is a small thing, but I'd noticed this first time, like, right in that scene, right right after he pulls the head off the T Rex, he's there and he's talking to his wife, and she's like, you know, you're a good husband and a good father, but there's no Mike, a superhero. And I just noticed in the, ba- in the back of the shop, there's like, like in the hallway, there's just like multiple shovels all the way down the hallway. <laughs> I didn't notice that before, like, it's
0: really funny. I noticed that his son is wearing, he seems to be wearing a Captain Amazing t shirt as well, yeah. which I like
1: the. But also, speaking of like, you know, this, this is like, you know, uh, another point that I, I like. It's not made a big deal of, but like it's a movie made in the late '90s, and he's in With an a mixed ind- race. mixed race Yeah, he's, in an, race he's in an interracial relationship, and they have a mixed, yeah, you know, mixed race kids. And there's, you know, there's no like big grand point made. It's not, you know, but like it's, it's really. I thought that was really like, you know. Yeah, I know it's that. I, rem- I remember no- noticing that when I was younger. I was like being like, hmm, you know, yeah, it wasn't like didn't question it, but I was, you know, sort of like you know, registered it or whatever when I was younger. And I was yeah, like, yeah, absolutely. Because hmm. yeah. it w- would have been something that you wouldn't have seen too much. Of, I'd say in movies, and I mean it could be wrong, but
0: no, no, definitely. I, I think I, I, I can think of examples more recently, but that's definitely something from from the time that would have been kind of more unusual from the time. Um, and uh, they basically kind of have to have to coax Mister Furious back, back out, to the fold, back to the fold, because he's kind of now he's having like an identity crisis, yeah. of, of not being that angry and also like that he feels like a fraud. And they kind of but. Sorry, go ahead. They, uh, they go to, like... The, he works in a junkyard and there's, like, a... like a, a Armoured car. An armoured car.
1: That Her- is the Her- ultimate... Herkimer Battle Jitney. The finest non-lethal military vehicle... Sorry, the finest non-lethal military vehicle ever made.
0: Yeah, so they go there and they're, they're, they're firing that up and then they, they're kind of coaxing him back to the fold. Sorry, what were you going to say?
1: I was just going to say there's, like, when they coax him back, like, there's this amazing scene where it's just so simple but it's so effective. It's like they're standing outside the car and he's a bit cheapish and he's, like... Have you seen my address book? And then, like William H Macy's <laughs> oh, yeah. just like he's, he's like, it's a uh, denim. It's got a pe- picture of a kitten on it. It says "hang loose." And like William H Macy, like just doing the ultimate straight man, is like, you should probably look at the last place you found it, <laughs> the last place you had it. And then he's like, he's like, we're gonna go now. And he's like, you should come with us. It. It's just really, really simple and like gentle. He's like, we're gonna go now, but you should come with us. And then he comes.
0: Yeah, it's it's it's, it's strange. Like I think Janine Garofalo obviously was a little bit more of uh of a star. Back in the nineties, because she was, she had been in. Uh, oh God, I'm trying to think of what other films she had been in around the time. She, she was in the, of, the Adventures of Rocky and Michael. Yes, yeah, <laughs> for the for um, a few minutes. Was she in Men in Black? Or am I imagining her as a different person? I haven't no. seen Men in Black since uh, since it was out. I was, but she was in Dogma. Yeah, she's in Dogma. She's in that this and uh, she's uh, was she? Uh, I haven't seen it in ages. But was she in like stuff like Reality Bites or was like that, that? I think it was a little bit earlier. Yeah, but she uh, she I, I mean a film that was a flop as well. Around the time, which was uh, Wet Hot American Summer, which is, of course, brilliant, but.
1: Amazing, yeah. Absolutely, totally, absolutely, absolutely amazing. I I, uh, I, I I, need to rewatch that. I want to watch the. the I know there's like a follow up Netflix show and there's everything. Two. There's, there's two. There's, two, a, there? there's two. a
0: prequel and there's a, a sequel. Okay, cool. Um, nice. But the, I only recently started rewatching clips from that because do you know the um, the, the scene where there's like the play and then it's the, the musical number and the the, the, the musical number from Godspell and everyone just goes boom. <laughs> it's one of my the my favourite moments. That and the. Um, the going into town scene where it's like, oh yeah, yeah. starts as them like having a cigarette and escalates them like robbing an old woman with a gun, <laughs> shooting heroin, and then they go, oh, it's great to go into town even if it's only for half an hour. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of my favorite yeah. jokes in it. I love that. I love that. I must, yeah, I must rewatch that. But Ben Ben Slayer, like, I mean, what at what like at what level was his star in the ascent at, at the time that this film came out? Because he'd written, directed, and like starred in a few films by this point. Yeah,
1: so, um, was, I'm trying to think, I'm trying to place it in the context of, like, there's something about Mary. Yeah, it would have been after there's something about Mary. But, but, it, but it would have been, it would have been not too long after, it would have been this. this that was 98, this was 98, Okay, It was so he's a year later. But it was, like, I've heard various people down the years, like, just random quotes when they're asked about it, like, not in full interviews, but when they're asked about, like, cast members and stuff it was, like, um... Like they've said that they kind of regret the film. Everybody does. That's really it's a real it's a real shame because like it's like I'm glad that obviously 88 Films like decided to restore and everything because it's like. I think it's, like, you know, this is a wider point, but I think it's genuinely so funny. Like, it's really funny, yeah. Like, the, like, there's a couple of jokes that are maybe a bit iffy, but, like, the jokes that that, that do land are, like, you know, are perfect.
0: There's... I, I, as well as which, like, I, I mean, in this era of, like, you know, things being taken off iPlayer and things being taken off Netflix, there wasn't much, or if anything, that, like, th- looking back, strikes me as being, like, something that I'm like, well, that was very 21 years ago, and And you couldn't... Yeah, uh... and it kind of relates to what I
1: was saying at the very beginning. Like, it has that... The set design and stuff has that sense of, like, you know, placelessness. But also, it has a kind of a timeless kind of quality. Like, and and that's a bigger point as well. It's like, um, it was obviously making fun heavily, like, heavily drawing on Batman and maybe a little bit on Blade Runner. But, like, it's completely also unintentionally satirizing the Marvel movies as well.
0: Yeah, and that's the thing is that it it totally pre pre-dates, pre-dates Marvel yeah. movies
1: as well. Like, completely. Like, it's from 99. It wasn't the first Marvel movie was, like, Iron Man in 2008. So yeah. So it's, 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 yeah, way, it's yeah, like, yeah. not to be cliche, but it is way ahead of its time. I mean, yeah,
0: the, if, if you were to count, like, the Marvel Studios films in 2008, obviously the X-Men movies. Oh, yeah, yeah, sure, yeah. And the, um, the Sony Spider-Man movies. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that, that's a good point. Exist before, but but I I mean... Hey, it's your podcast. I'm just a guest. No, no, absolutely. No, I'm just joking. I'm just joking. <laughs> absolutely. Um, but, I mean, I, I think you can, like... I think there is definitely those. There's a definite difference between the the, the superhero movies that existed before Marvel Studios and the ones that didn't. Because then obviously after that, you have the whole idea of a of a of a singular universe for all these films. And and they become almost like and this is like I've uh, during lockdown. I I watched a bunch of the I got Disney Plus, Disney Plus, Disney Plus for the French. (laughs) Um, I watched I've watched uh, a lot of uh, a lot of stuff. Um, for I'm a huge fan of Forky. Ask a question. I got um, gotta check that out. I finally watched uh, Wally, which is like, just I I delete. I stopped following someone on Letterboxd because they gave Wally a bad review. Like, to <laughs> me, it's it's five stars. We, we
1: uh we grimaced through uh Artemis Fowl as well. Oh. oh man, it was it was bad. It was bad.
0: Yeah, it's it, yeah. Artemis Fowl, to say the least. I think I I said on I said on Twitter, I uh, said on Facebook is like Artemis Fowl in the film is less a criminal genius and more a uh, kid who would wear a suit on the late
1: late toy show. <laughs> and uh, and also I remember like really laughing at you saying like you forgot the name of the McGuffin like I halfway through the film. I forgot the name of the McGuffin while I was you, watching. It's like? called it's called something like the Ar, the armorist or the armorist or the Am- 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 Yeah, the armorist. Amethyst. Am- 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 yeah,
0: Am- is, Am- I just, amethyst. I, I always think it. of amethyst because my I, I like my jewelry and my my partner's really into. Jewelry. Jewelry, so I just yeah. thought of that, but it was just
1: so funny because like the, the day it came out, like you know, uh we like I was here with my friend, my new housemate Hugh, and his friend, and basically we were saying like um uh I was just reading so many bad reviews of this movie. I was like, guys, we have to watch this tonight. <laughs> we ha- like you know, I can't I can't not watch this right away. Like basically, I finished work, I went to, went to the shop, got a, got some popcorn, whatever, if you can't a can of coke or something, and I was like, we're watching this, and it was like, and it, I remember the one quote from one of the reviews was like, um there are way better ways you could spend 95 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, that's hilarious. I have to watch this. It and was, it was genuinely, it, like, it was a train wreck. Like, it was
0: horrible. It was mercifully mercifully short, I will oh, say. Yeah. And like, there was a bit where I was kind of enjoying it like as a kid's film. But dear God, like, I, it, I, it was not great. And I'm like, I hate to hark on to, to, to be negative about a child actor, but I didn't
1: think Artemis was very good. I didn't. Although there was one bit of the movie, like one line in the movie that kind of like did save it for me in a in a in a little way was like a small way was like Judy Dench with this accent that was all over the place. Was fucking supposed York to be Irish. Irish like, sounds like it's Yorkshire. Supposed to be, but there was one bit that was absolutely gas where she fucking steps off the spaceship and goes "top of the morning." But I thought I actually <laughs> lost it for that. Like that was one bit where I was like, I was like, I was glad I watched it even just for that one hilarious bit. Like, but yeah, overall not good. I love Colin
0: Farrell. Like he's number one handsome man to go Tim and Eric, but like, absolutely. But like uh, he just was there. Like he just seems to be a dad in Disney movies. Because the last film that I saw him in was. Tim Burton's Dumbo which was like far better than I expected and he was alright in it but that's the only film that I've seen him in recently has been the dad in a Disney film. Yeah, but yeah, but also it's just
1: it's just like they got him because he's Irish and Artemis Fowl. You yeah, know what I mean? It's I like he, you know what I mean? They, they kind of just did sort of a um, yeah, just sort of like I don't know. Anyway, terrible. Let's go back to Was, was Liam
0: Neeson just unavailable? Or did they think he's too old, or, or 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 do Disney just not want to not want to work with him after what he said last year? Oh yeah, maybe. Um, back <laughs> to mystery <laughs> man. Anyway, no, but but my point was, I, oh, I, sorry, I, I I dived into some of the the Marvel movies that I hadn't seen. And, like, I mean, fucking Winter Soldier absolutely fucks. Like, I think that movie is brilliant. But I do think, like, the thing with the Marvel movies now is that they almost have become, like, an ongoing TV series where if you haven't caught the latest episode, you know, you're going to miss out so much on. Obviously, there's ones that are the origin stories are kind of easier to follow. But I do think it's interesting that that shift's happened. And that's something that totally didn't exist at the but time. But this Michigan. is
1: something that's totally the Marvel Cinematic Universe is something as well that's totally unprecedented. You know, there's no other movie series with no, thirty movies not. in it. Yeah, that, are, that are all like you know interlinked and, and all this it, it stuff. It
0: becomes a question of then of like, to, can you call those films a series? Can you call them a franchise? I mean, arguably not. Arguably, they are more of a of a, of a studio of, of of than anything else. You know what yeah. I mean? But um, yeah, so what, what were we, t- we talking about? We're talking about um, that. This Are, deep... Yeah,
1: they're just saying that Mystery Men like unintentionally predates and satirizes the Marvel movies.
0: Oh, one hundred percent, absolutely. Yeah. And it just existed before there was like a there was an on screen Wolverine as well. Um, but they they show up. There's the big party going on at twelve o'clock. The uh, yeah,
1: at, at midnight he's gonna unleash the psychorfaculator on the whole city and destroy it.
0: Yeah. So the guys they break in. It's kind of like classic superhero kind of fight thing where, well, not really because like basically they have each have a moment to kind of use a different gadget. Yeah. Like a laser, um, a laser that can, uh, a laser eye and that's the Invisible Boy's moment to, cry, to,
1: to use his power. There was one joke that I did not, did not get in the Invisible Boy bit when I was younger. Basically, like it's obviously quite funny. He like, he like, he turns invisible and like leaves his clothes I don't behind. I do
0: understand why his clothes fell off. It wasn't like he took them off. It was like they fell off. Or or was that just emotion that we didn't see? I think
1: maybe he mentions something about that, like alludes to it, like in the be- like when he's I, I, explaining the power in the first place. A joke I definitely did not get went way over my head when I was younger, is like invisible boy turns invisible, leaves his clothes behind, and then when he becomes visible again, he's obviously naked and then Hank Azaria goes, Two hands there, boy. <laughs> And he's, and he's got quite an impressive manhood
0: because Mr. Furious says that as well. I love when he's introduced where he says to his dad, Dad, I'm going to my bedroom with three strange men. Yeah, yeah amazing.
1: But yeah And also like I've, I've I've also taken this uh sorry I interrupted you there, but I've taken this yeah, uh on. taking this uh seriously to heart back in the day was he's, he's talking about like, you know, uh um uh, he's he's basically um, uh, the invisible boy is convincing the other the others to like let let, let let him go with them and he goes in this game you gotta know you gotta know how to network. I don't know how to network. <laughs>
0: yeah. I love, yeah, the, the, the idea that there's all these, like, low-level superheroes around the place, or, like, wannabes. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so it's like they, they have their different kind of moments. I love um, when Tony uh, Tony P uh, has his, like, his, his fight moment with the, uh, with the bowler. The bowler, yeah. But there's, like, uh, they're using, like, the, the, obviously the different uh, weapons, and then it's Casanova takes uh, Mr. Furious' kind of
1: love interest. Monica. I don't know
0: how she got there. Yeah.
1: But uh, he has her anyway. I, uh, I get the feeling that they put in a scene where he kidnaps her, but they knew it was already two hours. So they, right. might, they might have had to shame no, it down.
0: There's no sign of that on the Blu-ray, is there? No, I don't think so. I'll um, have a look. There's a scenes, I'll so have a look. Um, but uh, then he, he uh, the Blue Raja throws a load of forks on the wall, and Mr. Furious manages to climb up and um, fight... Uh, Tra- uh, fight uh, Casanova Castano Frankenstein, Frankenstein. You know, they call him Charlie Casanova. Uh, <laughs> <laughs>
1: excellent, 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 excellent obtuse reference there, Charlie yeah, Casanova. Yeah, Don't, don't, I wanna, like. don't
0: give uh, give any publicity to the filmmaker that. Um, but uh, he climbs up and he fights Casanova Frankenstein. They, I love just how inept he is until he manages to like finally get angry. Yeah. And he, he he knocks Casanova Frankenstein into the into like the pit where the laser is coming out of, and he's like. Discombobulated and everything,
1: yeah, and um, and he also he, he has an he has an amazingly cheesy line like because we were saying that the um the the machine's called the fraculator, yeah. So he goes, he throws him I in, finally he, he a throws real... him in, and he goes, fraculator Frankenpuss," yeah. And then the the
0: bowler she throws her her uh, her dad in the ball into the machine, and he just destroys it, smashing yeah. it all to bits. manages to survive it as well. um and that's kind of it then there's just a scene where they're where they're they're leaving and uh... yeah
1: and then there's like the um they um there's that really nice speech where they're saying like uh they dedicate their victory to all the, the all the little people and he's like you know he's he like the, the shoveler is like, you know, like the people who work really hard but don't get any credit for it, like the D, like the lady at the DMV or the school nurse. And Jean, <laughs> Jean
0: Garofalo goes, uh, "People who seek out local independent yeah, yeah. music and art."
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. She goes, um, she goes, um, Yeah, she goes. Yeah, people who seek, seek out um, um uh, independent music and uh, yeah, yeah. I know, yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah. And uh, there, there's a whole like kind of a joke of like, well, what
0: do we call them? And then yeah. the 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 news reporter goes, "These mystery men." And uh, the Sphinx goes. What does he call him? He called, he called it the super squad. squad.
1: Yeah, um, and then that's
0: that's that's kind of the movie. And then we have All-Star.
1: As... Oh yeah, I'm gl- gl- glad we got to this. Yeah. So yeah. Um, it does it does appear like it's weird, like how briefly it appears in the middle of the movie. It appears for like a, maybe a lot, like a line and a half of the song. Like he says, yeah. you know, he says like it's, it's like the intro, and then it's gone again for some reason. But then it's back at the for the credits, and then weirdly, I'd like there's a after we'll go back to All-Star in a sec, but like weirdly right after All-Star on the, I was credits, ask for the credits, there's um there's a song like Kel Mitchell raps with what? some with some friends like a mystery man themed rap that's, oh on, that's on the credits yeah that's on the credits
0: what has Kel Mitchell done since this? I don't know But Keenan became a regular on SNL on SNL and he's in he's in Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt yeah oh is he I haven't watched that he's, show um, yeah, watched he's, a, that. he's on that and he was in Snakes in the Plane and he was well. also
1: in that, that um, weird show that got cancelled after one season that the guy from Arrested Development did Sit Down Shut Up have you seen that show
0: no I haven't fantastic
1: it's an animated show uh, set in a school Okay. And it's got like a lot of cast members from Rest of Development, so you got Jason Bateman, uh, Will Arnett, and then you got randomly got uh, Keenan in there and stuff. It's very funny. I recommend it. There's no, there was only one season, but it was absolutely hilarious.
0: I know he's he's at the he's at the start of Zombieland. Oh in yeah, the, yeah, in the opening slow mo montage to whom the bell tolls, because that's like all the cast of SNL are in the, uh, at, the, at the time of SNL. Yeah, um, but I don't
1: know what cal has been up to at all. Like since then, yeah. I haven't heard anything. Must must look him up.
0: But yeah, so so Star, do you have anything else to say in the introduction of this? It's, it's it's the most
1: memed song of all time, probably of all time. Yeah, but like I was like I even before it was a meme, I was like big into it. Yeah, because I'm I, I should mention something just in general. Like I'm all into that like cheesy kind of vibe in like in any kind of music. But like you
0: are someone who I will give you absolute credit on the fact that you are someone who I think has no. Uh, you're, you're mad about town, you're a cool dude, but I think you're also very, you have no pretension about the things that you like.
1: Yeah. Like, for example, this is the example I always use. I'm a really big fan of Real Big Fish. I, my missus is a fan of Real Big Fish and like well. I'm, I like I, And I refuse to apologise for my my, my, my devotion to, like, Sky Punk in general, but definitely, like, specifically Real Big Fish. But that, like, ties into, like, how, like, you know, I'd be really into stuff like here's another example because it's from a similar time time uh, zone or time uh, time period. Like, I love "Steal My Sunshine," for example. People by are like, Lend. you know, one time I put that yeah by Len. One time I put it on a party, and my friend was like, it, it was in his house, and he's like, this was about four or five years ago, and he's like, "Saul, it's, so, so it's not our fault you grew in, you grew up in the worst decade for music ever." And um, but I like love all that. All star, anything like that. I like, was so.
0: weirdly talking to a friend because I was I was listening to Gail Porter on um, Louis Theroux's podcast. Yeah. that he started during lockdown. Oh yeah, and she was talking about like. Posing for HFM, and they were talking about like the things that people talk about from the nineties, like Britpop and the new lad and lad culture. And I texted one of my friends, and I said, "Was the nineties a mistake?" But clearly, (laughs) clearly, it wasn't all because there's a lot. You see, clearly, a lot of stuff that you have a fondness for on the time. Oh
1: yeah, not like I I love all that shit. Like, but uh, but but like, sorry, to, to go back to the point, like. All Star is obviously there's multiple, there's hundreds, thousands, of, millions of memes about it, but like it is objectively a banger. Like, and I'm gonna, I have to
0: say as well, Smash Mouth. To be fair to them, which is probably a sentence that rarely gets said. <laughs> but do you remember when those losers in America were trying to organize a straight pride? Yeah. And they wanted, they were going to wanted to use um, uh, All Star. Yeah. And the guy from Smash Mouth just. T- tweet totally tweeted he was like no you can't he was like smash me i have always been about uh i mean i don't know how explicitly he was like smash Mate i've always been a pro lgbt band uh there's not a chance in hell that you're using our song and mm. released a lot of t-shirts and st- stuff for uh support t-shirts so i was like fair play like it was a great moment of like that band whose song you liked in the 90s actually has some kind of uh some kind of uh, uh ethics that i can agree with which is often a problem especially when you like smashing pumpkins yes and uh,
1: <laughs> nirvana and bands like that sure you know but uh, no i i just like i do um so I was always, like, back in the day, I was, you know, I was kind of, I guess I would have been a bit more annoying about it, but I would have been like, oh, actually, All-Star was first in Mystery Man, and I wasn't in Shrek first, and I know you all love this song from your the, your beloved movie, Shrek, but it's actually in this movie that you should watch with, you know? But, like, I remember being a bit, like, you know, maybe being a bit of an asshole about that when I was younger, but, like, it is just... I, I love that that is your thing,
0: that you were, like, an asshole about. It wasn't, like, yeah. um, some obscure art house film that you... Oh, were no, like... no,
1: no, no, no. I was, I was
0: definitely, like, oh, no, and like you guys all love this song now, but I loved it six months ago. Yeah. My, my was, thing was Pokemon, because I was always I like, because I, I liked anime for a period. <laughs> I yeah. still love a lot of anime. I, I just don't watch a lot of it. Yeah. Um, and I would be like, people, whenever I mentioned anime, people would be like, oh, like Pokemon. I'd be like, oh, it's, it's not all like Pokemon. Whereas now I can be like, yeah, Pokemon has its, has its place and everything. And
1: then another thing, just when I talk about like me being a bit, a bit of a, bit of a bore when I was younger, it was like a, I was like reading a lot before when Harry Potter came out back in the day. So like I was already you know reading like Stephen King and stuff back then. Probably oh, yeah. probably should have been reading Stephen King, but like but at the time I was like oh I don't like Harry Potter. It's for kids. And then, <laughs> and then, and then like I did I did read it like you know years later. Like someone was like was someone about, it was about six yeah. years ago. Someone someone found out that I hadn't read it. They were like I challenge you to read it. By like, yeah. I'm
0: finishing them now because uh, my uh, partner is is a huge Harry Potter fan and uh, is disgusted that I but um. Uh, you know, in love with her, and work in libraries, and haven't finished them. Uh, if you want to talk about someone from the nineties whose politics are hard to be on board with now, I know, I don't no, want to talk about. There's it. There's no better example than that, but it's it's an interesting time to be finishing those books. Certainly.
1: Oh yeah, for sure. Um, there's just one thing I'll say about about those books, just very very briefly. I th- I thought was, like we were talking about it the other day. I was like, I thought it was gas that she literally had a, a plot device that was a room that you walk past the, the door, room a room requirements, a room, you walk past the door and whatever you need is just going to be in there. Yeah. I thought that was, when I was reading this as an adult, I was like, I was enjoying the books, so I was having a good time, you know, I read them all pretty fast, you know, they're, not, they're kind of an easy read, obviously, and then I like, I, I read that bit, I was like, this is fucking stupid. And I, I, wanted to, I kept reading because <laughs> I wanted to see how, see how room, it would turn out, like, like yeah. yeah, the ex our room, like, yeah. I thought it was really funny.
0: Um, but yeah, that is that is mystery, man. I mean, I think an interesting thing to talk about is like it's 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 definitely it's. I for me, I had a lot more laughs than the. I would say it's it's um, it's uh it's 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 top loaded, bottom it's bottom loaded, but it's bottom loaded with laughs for me. I think the latter half is is, is funnier. I think it's it's a very funny film. It manages to be very funny whilst avoiding. I don't think there's any swearing in it.
1: Um, there's one. There's one usage of the word the S word, like shit. I mean, I mean, even me, like yeah, the S word. There's one usage of shit in it. Yeah. So uh, basically, when um when uh, um when Mr. Furious admits to the fact that he didn't he didn't actually lift up the bus. Yeah. Just like just like randomly, uh, um, the, the blue ranger goes, oh shit. <laughs> but like there is definitely like like you know there's a lot of times where they you would think a couple of times in the movie when you would think they would say the word ass, yeah. but they say, like, you know, deliberately say, like, butt and stuff. So they definitely did, like, make an effort, and they kind of made it, made it, yeah, like, so sort like, of self-referential. It's interesting,
0: in like, to what degree is it a kids' film,
1: like? Like, yeah, de- I definitely was, I, th- I mean, I think it was aimed at kids. Yeah, because I loved it as a kid. Yeah, like, I, re- I I do remember so clearly coming out of the cinema and being, like, that was fucking unbelievable. And then whoever I was with was being, like, oh Tim, my friend Tim being, like, that was okay. Yeah. I remember I, I remember that sort of, like, a that sort of a little bit of, that kind of annoying feeling you get sometimes when you come out of any movie and you're like someone you were with oh, I hasn't enjoyed I it as much
0: I can't um, I can't stand it like and, and it's, it's it's no shade on, on whoever I go with who doesn't feel the same way but it's, it, it's really it, it can really sap my enthusiasm for yeah, something I have it's, to be like,
1: it's, sorry uh, it's like when, when you and I and my friend Bobby went to see The Lighthouse and we walked out. We were all on the exact same buzzer, and We're like, that was class. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 it's like that that feeling when you come out. Whether it's one or two of you, or three, or a group, or something, and you're all on the same buzz. There's like, it's yeah. There's yeah, nothing like it. Like, yeah.
0: like I mean, Bliss at Araton was that. Absolutely, for was, absolutely
1: like, for me and you. Yeah. I uh, I remember also walking out and being like and there was um there'd been a power cut. Yeah, <laughs> we were like we bliss like, broke the outfit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Amazing. Yeah, yeah. But
0: uh that was like the neon demon for me. My my uh my partner did not like it at all. And it took me years watching it again to be like, No, I really like this film. Yeah. Um because I only watched it once at the at time. At but... the time I was like, Oh it's it's it's, it's um it's 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 be- it's it's really beautiful, but I'm not sure about it. But I like, I've watched it again, I, I I really like that film. Anyway, have you heard of... It's now gone from the Wikipedia, but something that was mentioned on the Wikipedia was there was an urban legend that this film was actually secretly directed by Tim Burton. I did not know and that. Apparently, in one of Tom Waits' books, he says, Mystery Men, that film that I did with Tim Burton. Yeah. This is actually blowing my mind here. We've been talking about this for an hour
1: and a half, and I did not notice. That's yeah, crazy. Yeah.
0: Obviously, totally unsubstantiated because it was directed by the director... By... uh that's By Kierry But, um...
1: Yeah. That is wild. It is wild. Or do you think that might just be like, you know, Tom Waits is like, God bless it, him, mean, but like his, his adult yeah, brain I mean, a little bit. I like. was
0: going to say like, I mean, God bless Tom Waits, but I, I do wonder if it, it's like Al Jorgensen's book. It's like, how much can you trust the the, the ramblings of someone who's, uh, who's lived the life? Yeah. yeah, I thought that was interesting. I wonder if it was kind of like a... But even if that's not true...
1: It's still a fantastic rumor.
0: It's a fantastic rumor. I I can kind of, watching it through that lens, I can kind of see some of uh, why people could see some Tim Burton in there. Obviously, the Batman thing is the main
1: reason. Yeah.
0: Because of the visuals, similarity to to 89
1: Batman. Yeah, but also, like, if that came out, like, tomorrow, that he directed it. But like people would want to watch it, you know. If it randomly, <laughs> you know, if it randomly came out for some reason, the people would want to watch it. Then, you know, but more like, people would see it. But why would he do the film under a, I, a like? No, 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 no. That, that guy definitely exists because yeah. he, he does a commentary on the on the on the, the the Blu-ray. So,
0: but also, it's it's not even like a toe pooper, poltergeist scenario where it's like, oh, was Tim Burton a producer and
1: like how much he was involved? It it just seems to have come out of nowhere. I know, but I I but I love that like. I never heard that rumour before, but I love the idea of that rumour. Do you know yeah. what I mean? I love the rumour itself. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. That, that, that's gratifying to me, even if it's not true.
0: It's like, it's like a, it's like a, it's like a, a, a an, a, an art, like someone thinks that Let the Bodies Hit the Floor is by Rob Zombie because that's what the title said on LimeWire. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, situation, yeah, yeah. you know. Yeah. So yeah, that is um, Mystery Men. It is certainly a unique film because it's, it, it's a film that, to a certain extent, I would say, to quote Blank Check podcast, doesn't exist because it's it lives on in the hearts and minds of people who love it. But it's not a film that I think has made a huge impact in the culture. But when I mentioned it to some friends that I was talking about it, they all remembered it and remembered it quite fondly. Um, so, like, what what would you what what are are am I,
1: am I being unfair there? In, in no, that? I I think like. Nobody that I, because I talk about it fairly regularly, yeah, and nobody's really heard of it. And then yeah. I start, and I'd be like, "Well, this is a movie, you know, it's it's a superhero movie, whatever. It's got like Ben Stiller, and it's also it's weird because it's got a, you start it's, mentioning the cast, it's got a stacked cast. Yeah, it's like yeah. it's like I said to Daniel, it's a joke. I was like, I was like. In what universe did these people's schedules line up for, you know, three months in 1999 or and he's whatever? he's there in particular. I mean, he's done some crap. Like, he
0: was in, the, he was in that 90s Avengers film, yeah. like, which I will have to rewatch at some stage because I liked it when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. And I read an Empire article about the production of that film. And apparently started as something very different that would have been much more interesting. But he like he he's done some crap, but it was also I I he he actually does a really good performance in this like and it it yeah. kind it suits him as well like it suits his like his flamboyance of a stage persona yeah kind of channeled into this like kind of yeah. more menacing version.
1: So it's sort of like um it's kind of like everything that William H Macy does in this film in his you know his ultimate straight man type thing that he does yeah it's kind of similar to like it's sort of the counterpoint to Tony P because it's like he's doing this like you know uh, distilled like you're saying distilled Eddie Izzard thing with like a bit of menace in it yeah so it's kind of like he's doing the ultimate Eddie Izzard he can do with with a spin of menace and then William H Macy is doing the ultimate William H Macy uh, you can know I mean? do, you know? Yeah, what I mean? they're doing their, like you know they're doing the level best I think. And
0: Ben Stiller is kind of doing like his his like his like angry guy shtick that he used to do in some of the his earlier films and like in his guest appearance on Friends and stuff. Yeah, um, and he's really taking that to the logical end. Yeah, and and. Like I guess Janine Garofalo is doing like the ultimate slacker kind of girl. I like after she ch- she uh, she kills Tony P, she goes. Uh, now I'm going back to
1: grad school. That was the arrangement. <laughs> that was yeah, the yeah, arrangements. Um, and then like also like, you know, when they go outside and they're being interviewed by the, the TV reporter and she opens it and she goes, um, yes, we're all aware you saved the day. And we'll be, probably be hearing about it for the rest of our lives. <laughs> so, I mean, do you have any any other observations on, on, uh, on any mystery? other observations on Mystery Men? Uh Yeah. One, just that I'm glad in the same way of another film that's one of my all time favorites. And I've seen it a lot of times, which is True Stories by David Byrne. I don't know if you've seen that one. No, I haven't. Done that. But um, I can lend you the blue ray I've got it downstairs. Oh, cool.
0: Is that David Byrne is in Talking next? Heads? Talking he, he, oh, he directed
1: okay. a film in 1986. I had no idea. I'll, 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 give, I'll give you a copy of it. Oh, I, I, cool. I, 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 sorry, I'll lend to it to uh, you tonight. tonight. Like, but um, I, I really like those two movies. F- and kind of for the same reason. It's like they were this underdog movie, obviously, that was not really the, well received. It, uh... But I'm glad that. In, in the case of True Stories Criterion Collection they like restored it and it's come out in this really nice edition and the same way they did films you know like you should have seen me like about two months ago or three months ago when I found out there was a special edition of Blu-ray coming out I was like I actually nearly hit the floor had I was it like, ever
0: been released on Blu-ray before that
1: I think there probably had been like a, a, a really a Blu-ray with like you know maybe one or two features or yeah, you know, yeah. or like a very very bare bones one But, like, I was just, like, so delighted. Like, I couldn't believe it. I ordered it straight away. I was, like, pre-ordered. I was like, this is the best thing ever. I was in a good mood for, like, about five (laughs) days afterwards. Like, I've honestly seen... The the, the, the real testament of this movie to me is that I've seen it, as I was saying, probably 20 times, maybe even more than that. And every time I watch it, it still stays as funny as it was the first time I saw it.
0: And would this this i i i mean i I feel like it's a somewhat superfluous question I' okay. a reaction but but would this get if this were to, in in deer drinks when you compare the the qualities of a soft drink to some yeah. kind of you, you make some brilliant kind of uh metaphorical esoteric, illusions uh, metaphorical illusions when you're like uh i remember one of my favorites is like you're like it's got a, like a, it's half six it's the summer you're watching Pokemon on sky one. Um, how would how how would you compare this to a soft drink? And would it get? I imagine it would get five. I would it get the maximum six cans. There, there this... are
1: ve- there are very few movies in in my life that would get the six cans, right? And, uh, I, and I'll, I'll break it down for you. Okay? There there are two movies in my that I that I that I love very much, and these two movies would get the six cans. And those movies are Boogie Nights and Mystery Men. Fair play. So there's a there's a lot of five there's a lot of five can movies out there. I'm thinking of like you know like something like Raw would be a five can movie, the That's French great. movie, and Bliss would definitely be a five can movie. Uh, there's a there's a, and obviously there's there's way more four can movies out there, and and so on and so forth. We go on about that for a couple of hours. Yeah. But the main thing is that the two movies probably if if we're gonna use that rating, if we're gonna if we're gonna crowbar that rating into this uh, podcast episode, I would say Mystery Men, Boogie Nights are my top two top Fair. two films for the rest of my life. I remember I just want one re- tiny tiny story about a. Uh, about, about Boogie Nights it was like we were watching it one time when I used to live in Stony Better about five years ago and my friends were like Saul we, we watched it they liked it but they were like Saul how is that your favourite film <laughs> <laughs> after we watched it because like my friend Derek just like thought it was like you know like was going to be all in like you know the whole the middle bit where it's all going well he thought that was just going to be the rest of the movie Then yeah. I was like nope <laughs> but, yeah, but yeah so to go back to Mystery Men just I think it's like I'm kind of obsessed with this sort of idea of like in general, that are things that are, like, products of their time. So it's, like, as I'm saying, like, the scheduling all lined up, and then this movie was made, and it's this, like, mad time capsule of all these people's careers in 1999, and it like, the all-star thing or whatever, it's this mad, like, you know, and it's obviously this, like, referential sort of satirical thing of, like, superhero movies.
0: If if the only way that it could be more 1999 is if it had a reference to the
1: Millennium Bug absolutely, and, and some product placement for Virgin Cola... But see, here's a point about the about the nineties thing. Like Godzilla '98 is objectively a bad film, but I still enjoy it because I I watched it when I was young and I'm like, that's oh, yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whereas with this movie, having watched it yesterday at age 31 or whatever, two days ago, it still stands up. Whereas I don't think if I watch Godzilla tomorrow, it would really stand up. Godzilla '98. Yeah. Because it also has Matthew Broderick in it.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, I have to watch it again at some stage because Strong Language. I'll give it a go. I'll give it a go. Strong Language and Violent Scenes podcasted an episode on it.
1: Is John Reno in there as well? Is he in that? Like, i oh, sorry, Jean Reno. Oh,
0: yes, he is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then
1: Hakazari is in it as well, actually. As yeah, Jesus.
0: Yeah. He popped up in them. Um, when, when, when John Reno popped up in The Five Bloods, I don't know if we yeah. watched that yet. That was the first time that I'd seen him for a long time.
1: My comparison, we watched that the other, the, the other week, but my comparison was that uh, he looks like Prince Philip. <laughs>
0: <laughs> on that note we shall say uh, thank you very much for coming on to the podcast um, absolutely thank you all for listening i keep saying that this thing is dead and it keeps coming back so i'm not going to make any promises but i make hope, no promises i hope I, that, wouldn't. I hope that everyone stays safe and uh i hope that everyone looks after each other so um thank you very much thank you Saul. Thanks. thank you for listening to this episode of the Eight dimension podcast to keep up with us follow us at uh, 8 Dimension Podcast on Facebook and on Twitter at 8 Dimension Pod.